Welcome to the Freedom Hut. This is the Best of Buck Daily Podcast. The top stories of the day from the Buck Sexton Show. For more Buck, head to BuckSexton.com. And remember to subscribe to the podcast. If I told you that 12 months ago, the Democrats and the media would be cheering on politicians for threatening to arrest people for the crime of gathering with their families on Thanksgiving, you would have thought that if if I'd said that I was insane, right? If anyone had told you that, you would have thought that they were completely crazy. But here we are. This is happening right now. And now the question becomes, are we going to continue to comply or are we going to fight? Now, what does fight mean in this context? An excellent question. People bring this up. Exercising autonomy and freedom in every way you can based upon your own individual circumstance which takes into account your health risk toleration, which takes into account where you are in the country. Are there any others who think like you? Are you going to be the one person in some sea of blue? Because as we know, this has become political. This is insane. It never should have been, but now it is. You see, opposing mask mandates and shutdowns was never about Trump. Despite all the garbage peddled in the, in the American media, you can see I don't care who the president ends up being when it comes to lockdowns. I don't want them. I don't support them. I don't think the data supports them. I think they're unconstitutional. I think it's tyranny. This is going now beyond even a, a deep constitutional argument to just a natural law and natural rights argument. I have a right as a human being to spend time with my family over a holiday, irrespective of whether the government thinks it's good for my health. I don't give a crap what the government thinks about it. This is about individual decision making. It's about having the agency, the free will to live your life as you see fit. Remember, you're not doing anything in violation of actual law, you're not harming anyone, but they pretend that you are. They pretend that just because you're out and about, it means that there's a possibility of risk, but there's always a possibility of risk for countless activities that the government does not prevent. The government does not threaten to lock you up for engaging in those activities. You know, there are Anti-COVID protests in Germany. There have been there have been some in Spain. There have been some in many European countries. I suppose we're going to be told that these are all just far right nationalists or some other nonsense in our own media. Maybe they're just people that are sick of walking around all the time now outside with masks on. Wearing masks outside is not scientifically supported. There is no study. There is no basis for this. But what you see is a constant shifting of what the science says based upon the needs of the left wing collectivist consensus. And that's what's happening right now. We have the CDC offering up guidance to people to avoid travel over Thanksgiving. I just want to ask you this. Do you think they're going to say, you know what? Good job over Thanksgiving, guys. Now the cases are really low. No, no. 
there will be more cases. We are entering a period here of upper upper respiratory virus spread and people that were not infected the first go round are going to be at at continued risk to get infected this time. This is just the reality of what we're facing and what we're dealing with. But no matter what you do, remember, and I've been telling you this all along, they'll say it's not enough. They'll say it's insufficient. The lockdowns, the shutdowns of businesses that come along with it, the restrictions on your ability to move freely, to worship, to engage in religious practice, to go to funerals, to go to weddings, to have birthday parties. Unless you're Gavin Newsom, then you can go with a whole bunch of people, including senior medical bureaucrats in the state of California to have one of the fanciest dinners in the United States indoors. The elites have no problem with hypocrisy. In fact, hypocrisy feels good behind closed doors in places the elites don't really want to talk about. Feels good. They like that they can get away with this stuff. They like that the rules don't really apply to them while they're going around crushing the likes of you and me. And I have to say... I'm tired of it. I'm sick of so many Americans walking around doing what they're told. We should all move like a bunch of cows being herded into our pens. This is outrageous. I thought this was a country that believed in freedom and the risks that come with it. But no, we have bureaucrats. We have a system of control in place now that's taking all those decisions away from you. If you saw where we were and where we are now, if you could have seen that a year ago, I'm telling you, you would have said never in America would that happen. The American people would not go along with it. And that's why I say we fight. It's time to stop the lockdown madness. Those who want to live their lives should non-comply however they can. And then what's the level beyond that? Those tasked with enforcement of these rules should refuse to do so. Those with power who push this tyranny should be held to account and those in positions of authority who are trying to fight for greater liberty, for greater autonomy for us as individuals, for our lives to be up to us. Those people should be supported with everything we can, with everything we've got. There's no one answer to how you fight back against this. It may be that. You just refuse to mask up outside because it's idiotic, because there's no basis for it, because they even told us that for months when the pandemic was raging through this country late last winter and into the spring. You don't need to wear a mask outside. That's that's not supported. The biggest studies that have been done on this say that the risk of transmission outside is effectively nothing. So maybe you don't wear a mask outside. Some of you perhaps will say, I don't want to wear a mask inside, but then you're going to run afoul of state law. You may find yourself harassed. Fights break out over this. People become violent. That's how unhinged they are. There are people across the country right now who think they have a right to lay hands on you because there's a one in 10,000 chance that you may have a respiratory virus, that there is a tiny chance that if they're near you for more than 15 minutes indoors, they may contract from you. The reproduction rate, the R number that goes along with viruses, even when it's at a pandemic, if it's an R of one, most people who get this are likely to give it to only one other person. 
So when you really do the math, anyone that's threatening violence against you that lays hands on you because you're not wearing a mask is acting like a lunatic. But it happens. It happens all across the country. People have gotten into fights. There have even been people killed because they weren't wearing a mask. This is a mass brainwashing that has occurred. Uh, They ignore the data that they don't like. They dress up and inflate the data they do like, and they love this control, and we know they want to use it for much more than just COVID control. They want to use this for human control. They want to tell you what you can do. What you think the same people that are pushing the Green New Deal, the same people that want socialism and a government that's constantly engaged in social justice re-engineering of society, you think that they don't view this as an opportunity to remake this country and perhaps even the world? Of course they do. In fact, I bet there's a huge relationship between people who believe climate change is an existential threat to humanity who are also strong supporters of lockdowns and mask mandates. I'd say if you support one, there's over a 90% chance you support the other. Probably a 99% chance. Right? If you believe climate change is an existential threat to humanity, you're a mask up all the time, indoors, maybe in the shower, maybe in bed when you sleep at night. What if a fireman has to break into your home during a fire and carry you out? Got to have that mask ready to go. Don't want to give him COVID. These people are insane. And they think we're the crazy ones. I told you the same thing all along. I act the way with with COVID that I would during a bad flu season in terms of the precautions. Yeah, if you're sick, stay away from people. That's always been our custom. And when when Fauci says abandoning abandoning all public health measures, no, I'm not about to go to a crowded house party with 60 people indoors shoulder to shoulder. I'm not saying be stupid, but could I sit in a restaurant six feet away from people and feel like I'm probably going to be okay? Yes, I could. Is being shoulder to shoulder at a bar maybe not a great idea right now? Okay, but those are those are based on intelligent risk mitigation strategies that we all know exist and are real. And it's also a question of individual choice. I'm saying I wouldn't do that. But if somebody feels like one, maybe they've already had covid two, they're not particularly concerned about it. They should be allowed to live their lives. It should be up to business owners if they want to open their doors right now. Or if they want to go to the government for assistance in this period, that should also be an option for them. But it shouldn't be that everyone has to be shut down and everyone has to do whatever these tyrants in charge say. I mean, based on what we have had the removal of choice from our lives in a way that's unprecedented. The trampling on liberties that has gone on here. We have so many people who talk about liberty, you know, and and this is on our own side, too. You know, they're waving flags and don't tread on me and the founding fathers. We believe in all this stuff. Do you think that the generation that was at Bunker Hill and Concord Bridge, you, you think that they would see what's going on right now in this country and say, yeah, good job, guys, really, really carrying the torch of liberty here. Well, everyone hides. Where's your mask? Where's your mask? No, I think we've all seen where that gets us. Do they have any answers? Do the mask shamers, the smug, I listen to the science mask shamers, do they even try to explain why we're having huge surges in cases across the country when we have more mask compliance than ever before? That's how effective masks are. 
we're, We're wearing them all over the place. Worst cases we've ever had. And in fact, the states that have had the longest mask uh, mask mandates and the most strict ones are the worst hit by the virus once again. But they don't answer those questions, do they? It doesn't really doesn't really matter to them, because as I've been telling you, this is about something else. The answer to how we fight back against this is in every way that you can, that you choose to. This is about whether you get to control your day to day life or the state gets to control your day to day life. Some of you are going to be particularly brave. You're going to say, I'm going to open my business. I'm going to walk around without a mask on. Understand there are consequences to that. You may get fined. Your business may be shut down. Somebody might start a fight with you in the gym because you don't want to be on a treadmill with a mask on like an idiot. And I understand it. I appreciate that. I feel the same way. But everyone right now is making their own decisions about how to fight back against a movement that at its core is about removing your ability to make decisions. So there's some there's some poetry there. There's some broader meaning in all of this. Tell people the truth about what you're seeing happening. Don't allow those who claim that they understand more than you for no apparent reason to bully you and silence you and make you do things you don't want to do. Fight back at your school board to get schools open. People who say schools should be closed are idiots. They're wrong. We've run the experiment. They were wrong. It's the lazy, disgusting teachers unions that are pushing for this stuff in major cities. We all know it. Fight for schools to reopen in your area. Fight for restaurants to stay as open as possible. 50% capacity, you know, 75% capacity. Do what you can. Support those local businesses. We all have to band together here. The government's not going to pull us through this thing, and the government's not going to give us back our freedom. We have to find ways to do it ourselves. We have to take that freedom back. And otherwise, we're going to have holiday after holiday for months on end here where we're told, sorry, you don't get to see your loved ones. You don't have the right. I'm sorry. I still think this is America, and I'm not willing to give it up to the Fauci morons of the world. Not willing to do it. Thanks for listening to the Best of Buck Daily Podcast. Get more from Buck by following him on social media at Buck Sexton on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And don't forget to visit BuckSexton.com. There are many states that do have mask mandates in place um, and some that do not. Um, But I look at their rate of spread, and the fact is is that cases are increasing in many of those states as well. If you look at Wisconsin, they've had a mask mandate since August, and they have a higher rate of spread than the state of South Dakota. You look at Montana, they've had a mask mandate in place since July. Both of those states have higher rates of spread than the state of South Dakota. Uh, When you look at Wyoming, it has the fastest spread in the nation. Uh, And that is the concern that I have as many times uh, I don't want to approach a policy or a mandate just looking to make people feel good. Uh, I want to do good and actually put forward provisions that make a difference for families. And these local communities have some flexibility today that Sioux Falls can make a different decision than Rapid City. Rapid City can make a different decision than Lemon, South Dakota. Watertown can make a different decision than Pier. And, and that's what some of these local leaders are doing in, in reacting to the people in the community based on what they want. Doesn't that seem entirely reasonable to you? That's Governor Christy Noem, who I, I hope has has a, a bigger future in the GOP. I think she's a star. I think she's what people 
like to think Nikki Haley is, but Nikki Haley is not in terms of the the next best chance of a GOP female presidential candidate, somebody who would do really well in the Midwest, really well in the Rust Belt states. That's what I see. But back to what she's saying here. We have a lot of data. The data gets ignored. Mask mandates do not work. But the problem is the other side claims they're they're unfalsifiable. Right. The moment that we talk about a mask mandate, they say, well, it'd be so much worse unless it'd be so much worse unless we had them uh, in place. How, How do we prove that? Shouldn't we be thinking about mask mandates in terms that would be obvious to everybody, as in, of course, these work. Of course, these are great. And they make everything just fine. Right. But that's not the way that it goes. They won't ever back off of this you think they'll admit to people that they put them through all this you think they'll admit to people that that's the reality they just made mistakes here there were enormous mistakes made in so many other areas of the covid response but on this one they're claiming on this one they're claiming it's settled science right they were putting people on ventilators which was a terrible idea And caused a lot of people to die that probably this is the the medical community now. Now, I'm not blaming anyone, but I'm saying there were enormous mistakes made there. We don't really ever talk about it, but masks they won't back off of. Masks uh, they they think are are sacred somehow. And remember, it, it is a symbol. It's about more than just that piece of cloth over your face. It has turned into will you comply? Right. You know, don't tread on me. It's time for people to start saying, don't mask on me. Enough is enough. This is the Best of Buck Daily Podcast. The top stories of the day from the Buck Sexton Show. For more Buck, head to BuckSexton.com. And remember to subscribe to the podcast. So this is a good Thanksgiving to just stay home and stay within your bubble or or at most, you know, a small uh, number of additional two or three people who, you know, are also taking really good precautions. But this is a good year to stay home. And it's a good year for us to do it across the U.S. So maybe we could have a better Christmas. Uh, There's 250,000 dead people. We'd like to limit that further. And the other thing I'd like to pick up that the point I heard earlier on the show is a single negative test is not a pass to say, I am fine, I can now go do whatever I want, because you may well still be infected and incubating. Uh, so please be cautious of thinking that, well, I got a single negative test somewhere and I'm I'm good to go. Stay home. You can't Social test your way dinner. into Thanksgiving dinner. I mean, you just can't test you, your way to that table. That's just not the way You can't it test your way into Thanksgiving dinner. And we've seen this around the president, right? You couldn't even protect the president with a testing strategy. Even tests won't protect you from passing it on to relatives, getting it from relatives. They're telling you, I thought testing was our way out of this. Remember that they, they always find the negative interpretation because there's no such thing as perfect health security. They always find the well, it's possible. Therefore, let's go with the most extreme interpretation. People die every year. Tens of thousands of people die in America every year from influenza. Nobody ever says, don't have Thanksgiving, don't open your business, wear masks. Never happens. Now, you could say, well, Buck, that's only tens of thousands. That's every single year. And I know that they've made this argument, oh, you're a flu bro, and there's all this 
How is this not a valid argument? They, they never even address this. We accept as the cost of living in a free society anywhere from 30 to 80,000 deaths will occur in the United States every year from influenza. OK, and that that doesn't even take into account people that during the same respiratory period, a respiratory illness period um, are going to get other viruses that might turn into a a bacterial pneumonia or other ways that people end up succumbing. You know, we're talking about mostly older people who are at risk. Yes, we are all going to get old and we are all going to die. That is our reality as human beings. What's open to us in the meantime is what can we do between now and then? How much freedom do we have? How much joy? How much of a contribution? How worthwhile can we make our time here? And these idiots in the government, in the public health sector, are taking your time from you. I have never said if you are worried, if you have health conditions, if you think you're at a high risk, whatever precautions you want to take, by all means. And we should be set up to support anybody who feels like they're in that category. They should have an ability easily. And there's a lot of food delivery services and things like that in large cities, but in more rural areas. People should be able to bring them food in a safe and secure manner. People should be able to bring them their medicine. I mean, we should have this all set up. But me, I'm going into an office every day right now already. I live in New York City. I was riding the subway every day, four times a day, believe it or not, during the height of the pandemic spread. And even after it hit New York City, there were a few weeks there where I was still riding the subway every day. So, yes, I would live my life. And when the virus was really bad, did I limit some contact with my parents to try to? Sure. But if everyone in your family feels fine and now they're saying even if you get a covid test beforehand, that's not sufficient. What they're saying is that there's a, you know, a one in 10,000 chance. Remember, it's not a one in 10,000 chance that you're going to give covid to somebody and they die. There's like a one in 10,000 chance that you'll get you'll get covid unexpectedly. Give it to somebody. That's the first leap. And then they have a 99 percent chance of surviving, even if they get it. We're all going to hide from this now. We're all going to act like remember Thanksgiving. This is a one time occasion we're talking about this year. This isn't do it every day. I'm not saying gather together with your whole family every single day, especially it's all about risk. It's all about what's acceptable, but they don't view it that way. No, they want to panic you. And it's not just Democrats. I mean, here's Secretary Azar, you know, the bureaucrats, they don't want any any heat coming down on them. So they take these positions. Here's HHS under Trump. Azar, play 12. The safest way to celebrate Thanksgiving this year is at home with the people you live with and through virtual celebrations. Gathering indoors with people who aren't members of your household is a higher risk activity for spreading the virus. Please know that there is light at the end of the tunnel because of the sacrifices Americans have made and the hard work that so many have done. We will have the chance to celebrate holidays much more safely with family and friends. Not so far in the future. You know, the safest way to have sex is never have sex. It's true. You know, you never know. Stuff can go wrong. I'm not even just talking about, you know, people can pass diseases back and forth, but. You know, you could have a heart attack. It happens. People die. Safest way to have sex, never have sex. People still could 
have complications in childbirth even. I mean, I'm talking about even in the confines of a marriage, you know, sex can be dangerous. Safest thing to do would be never have it, never do it. It's a health risk. And it's the dumbest thing any human being's probably ever said, right? But how different is it really from the, from the attitude you're hearing these days? Oh, only do virtual meetings, only do virtual Thanksgiving, don't see your family members. Like I've said, if you cut out being, you know, having any symptoms, being sick, if you're sick, stay home, stay away from people. That's already, that's already taking out the symptomatic population from being able to spread this thing. One of the problems that exists is people get sick and then they're already around their family every day because it's in the home. Intrafamilial transmission is a primary risk of this, right? But they know they can't tell people you have to live alone forever, so that doesn't work. But that's really where the risk is. The one-time gathering where you're with a bunch of people, statistically, much lesser risk than what will happen for, you know, I, I, I only, I have one friend in New York City who died from COVID-19 uh, and it was my well, it was my friend's father, but I've known him for almost 30 years and he passed away from covid and he got it from his wife, who's a healthcare worker who also got it. But she was fine. That's really a, a big play. And that was where there was maximum spread. And this is when things were going so badly in New York City. Uh, but what they're telling you here is effectively no risk is acceptable. Well, if you cut out people with symptoms from a gathering you're already taking a very important step. You know, maybe limit how many long, you know, hugs and embraces you give more senior citizen members of your family. I mean, I'm telling you this right now. I could get COVID and I could die from COVID. I am not worried personally about COVID. Based on everything I read, based on everything I know, I'm not worried. And I could be wrong, but I still want to live my life. And I know there are a lot of other, there are millions and millions of other people out there like me who feel like it's an acceptable risk. There are some activities I wouldn't do. I would choose not to do right now. I, I can wait, you know, I can wait to go to an indoor rock concert until the vaccine comes out, right? I mean, I'm willing to make some of those. But, I mean, I can't go to a restaurant. I can't see my family. I can't go to a, uh, you know, I can't go into a store. I can't go. There's so many things. And for what? It doesn't even work. They're putting all these impositions on you. You know, do they really think that if we have fewer Thanksgiving gatherings, there's not going to be a whole lot of covid spread all over the country anyway? You still got to go to the grocery store. You still got to go to the drugstore. People still have to live their lives and living your life is a risk. Or you can listen to the, the panic mongers out there. You can listen to here's Biden's covid advisor. This is the guy that wants a four to six week, a four to six week lockdown. Straight nationwide. This is what you're going to get with the Biden administration. And, you know, I told I told you we were going to go and do another lockdown as a country. And I've told you that the Biden administration, if it happens, was going to make everything worse. And here's exactly here's the proof. Here's all you need to know. Play four. I think right now we all have to understand that we need current information on the number of cases. I think that the White House task force uh, report issued yesterday, or at least be made public yesterday, is right on the mark. We are really in a crisis stage. We have to be discussing what can we do? What do we do? You know, it's not just enough to help Americans understand you don't want to swap air. How do you incentivize them? How do you help them realize that this is what they want to do? And I've been saying for some time we need FDR 
moments right now. We need somebody to say, this is what's happening. This is how bad it is. We're going to see hospitals collapsing in the next two to three weeks. And and this is what we've got to do to address that. And just remember one thing. For the next three weeks, the cases are already in the pipeline. The people who are infected this morning will be the cases of next week in the hospital a few days after that. And we'll be in the intensive care rooms and dying after that. So even if we did everything we could right now, we would still not turn this thing around for literally three to four more weeks. Just two more weeks, three more weeks. These guys always say that they're always wrong. But notice that he's already he's already factored in here. If you do everything I say, it's still going to be really bad. But if you don't do what I say, it's going to be really bad. That's the choice we're always given. Do these horribly inconvenient, destructive, economically and emotionally and psychologically painful things or else. And we still get the or else. But they tell us the or else is not as horrible as it would have been. They're wrong. They're just wrong. What they tell us doesn't doesn't do anything. It doesn't make when I say this. If you could create a society where everyone wore their mask perfectly, where everyone socially distanced exactly as they said they would, where everybody would be careful about washing their hands. If you could re-engineer human beings so that we were robots and that we would all respond to the mandate like robots, we wash hands, we stay away, we wear the mask. If we did that, maybe it would be able to, while we were still doing that, dramatically curb infections. But the only thing that really brings infections down is telling you to, you have to stay away from other human beings, keep you in your home. This this mask thing is, is fantasy land stuff that it's going to break, uh, break the spread of the infection once it's already out there. We've already seen this. It's, it's it's absurd. And you could say, oh, Buck, but the science. Yeah, but people don't wear their masks perfectly. Every time I get on the elevator in my building and everyone here is panicked, people are, you know, fidgeting with their mask, their noses, they're breathing through their nose, which people believe might actually be where the, the worst viral particles might reside. They're breathing through their nose, not through the mask. You know, they pull their mask down to cough. I can't tell you how many people I see pull their mask down to cough. Remember, all this has to do to be a, an ongoing pandemic. Every person who's sick gets one person sick. If it's an R1, a reproduction rate of one, it turns into exponential pandemic very quickly. So these mandates are all based on the idea that people are going to be so good with the mandate that they won't even expose one person if they get sick. Does anyone really think they're that good at this? They're not going to breathe air into a room. It's aerosolized. You don't even have you could you can get infected and they don't want to talk about this, but the studies have shown this so far. You can get infected walking to a room after somebody's already been in there. How are you going to control for this? Viruses have been around as long as human beings have been around, friends. They've, they've adapted to continue to spread. Why they exist, that's a whole other question. Who knows? But we have not defeated aerosolized virus with these measures, and we're not going to. So take basic precautions to limit your risk and then go forward and live your life as you see fit. Or just keep obeying the tyrants and see, see how you feel, see where you are, in nine months when maybe maybe they'll start to say enough people have gotten vaccinated that you don't have to live in fear anymore we'll see what the country looks like then you're in the freedom hut this is the best of buck daily podcast the top stories of the day from the buck sexton show and even the new york times wrote articles 
about how uh, dangerous mail voting, mail-in voting was. And um, this is the first time we ever did it en masse. And I think we proved that uh, all three are profits. It's not only susceptible to fraud, it is easily susceptible to fraud, particularly if you have a plan or scheme which sounds eerily similar to what Joe Biden told us a few days before the election, that he had the best voter fraud team in the world. Well, they were good. I don't know that they, they were that good because they made significant mistakes, like all crooks do, and we caught them. Big updates today. Long press conference from the Trump campaign legal team, the senior legal advisors to the Trump campaign, talking about the various legal challenges. There was Rudy Giuliani. You heard today from Rudy Giuliani, Jenna Ellis, who I've talked to multiple times in the last few weeks about this, and Sidney Powell, who is perhaps best known for really being the, the great champion of General Flynn and the injustice done to him. And she was completely correct on all of that. She was absolutely spot on. And here's what we what we gathered from today. The Democrat position on things like voting in Pennsylvania, the voter security measures on matching matching signatures in Georgia, on all these different uh, all these different things you have in place. It's it's in part because if you do get into a super tight election and it does matter that only every legal ballot be counted, you need to have the mechanisms there. You need to have those things to check. Right. And, and if you don't and Democrats made sure there was a bare minimum of them, how can you ever know? People seeing what they believe to be fraud. Let, let's say somebody sat there who was a, a poll worker in Philadelphia and filled out 100 ballots and someone saw him do that for Biden. Unless they have video, unless they confronted them right then and there, uh, there's no way to prove all it is is ballots for Biden. If they're taken out of the security envelope, if if they get to the point where they can just fill out the ballot at the ballot center and there's now I understand that there's supposed to be observers to prevent this. But when they saw things that don't make sense, there's it's very hard to have after the fact proof of it. So when people think they're seeing fraud, they may have. But then how do you prove it? And this has been my concern all along with these legal challenges. But Giuliani, Ellis, Powell, they seem very confident that they will be able to prove this from this news conference. It's right around lunchtime today is when they had the news conference. Um, here, here's more. Rudy Giuliani led, essentially provided the, the opening statement, if you will, from his side on this. Uh, Producer Mark, play the next one. Which um, to any experienced investigator, prosecutor would suggest that there was a, a plan from a centralized place to execute these various acts of voter fraud, specifically focused on big cities and specifically focused on, as you would imagine, big cities controlled by Democrats and particularly focused on big cities that have a long history of corruption. The number of voter fraud cases in Philadelphia could fill a library. Just a few weeks ago, there was a conviction for voter fraud and one, two weeks before that. Now, let's understand. Giuliani here isn't just talking about irregularities. There are definitely irregularities. And anyone who would claim that there would not be irregularities in a situation like this 
is delusional. Because that could even be just good faith errors that occur in an election of this size, right? Irregularities are going to happen. The issue then becomes, were they happening at an, enough of a scale that it could have changed the result in any one state? But Giuliani here is asserting systemic intentional fraud. He's saying that there were people that tried to steal this election and he can prove it. Now, he does have evidence of it because affidavits do count as evidence. But is it enough to prove to a judge Right, because that's who this would go to. This is not going to be like a go to a jury trial. So go to a judge. Is it enough to convince a judge to toss out ballots? There's going to be a lot of pressure here. There's a lot that you're going to hear from people about how this is um, you know, destroying our democracy. About uh, oh, this is this is not, now they're going lecturing us about overturning the election. We'll, we'll get to that in a moment. But here's more of of what Giuliani's allegations are, because I want you to hear from them in specifics. As of today, this is the latest from the campaign. Play it. We could do like a uh, did you all watch My Cousin Vinny? You know the movie? It's one of my favorite uh, law movies because he comes from Brooklyn. And uh, when the the nice lady who said she saw and then he uh, he he says to her, how many fingers do I how many fingers do I got up? And she says, uh, three. Well, she was too far away to see it was only two. These people were further away than my cousin Vinny was from the witness. They couldn't see a thing. Now, I don't know. You're going to tell me that 60 people are lying? They, they, they didn't just tell me this. They swore under penalty of perjury, which is something no Democrats ever done. <laughs> you don't even ask Biden about this. <laughs> You don't put, put them under penalty. of per- we- Why were people moved away? So this became the issue. And there was this huge fight over access for observers. This this was one of the big issues. Why would they move them away in these Democrat areas, but nowhere, nowhere else? Why was there an effort to push back, you know, 20 feet? I mean, think about how far 20 feet is. Can can you see what someone's doing? With a ballot from 20 feet away. Imagine you're imagine you're a teacher and you're proctoring a final exam. If you had to be the proctor and you know how the teacher walks among the students, which I always found a kind of ominous, you know, prison guard vibe. But anyway, they walk among the students. I don't know if they did that in your school, in my Jesuit school in high school. They certainly did. And, you know, that way you never knew when they were coming your way. So if you had a crib sheet, if you were going to look on someone else's paper You better be careful because the eyes were moving, right? People were walking around to check. If they had to do that from outside in the hallway, looking through the window, you'd have a whole lot more cheating going on, wouldn't you? Because how could they see what you have in your hand? How could they see where your eyes are going? That's what Giuliani's alleging here about ballots. Now, you could say, oh, that seems a little bit conspiratorial or, or whatever. But why would they move them so far away? Oh, COVID? Give me a break. I went in. First of all, they're all masked. I thought masks protect us. So now we need masks and 20 feet of social distancing. Remember, it wasn't it wasn't six feet away. Six feet away is you could basically reach out. People have this funny idea that six feet is really far. It's not actually. You know, I'm six feet tall. My body length is not that far away for somebody to be able to see. Um, 
somebody be able to see what they're doing. So why move them so far away? They, they don't have a good answer for this other than to say, COVID, we're so scared of COVID. I'm sure some of the same people involved in this weren't so scared of COVID when they went out into the street. I'm sure they weren't so scared of COVID when they were, um, you know, celebrating what they thought was a Biden victory, but terrified of it when it came to counting ballots in some Democrat strongholds. Friends, I'm sorry. This, this is this is fishy. This situation is problematic. Let's be honest about that. OK, more from. By the way, I like that he brought up Mike Cousin Vinny. It is a great movie. Really enjoy that one. Producer Mark, even you like Mike Cousin Vinny, right? Great movie. Of course. Fantastic. Yeah, great movie. Uh, you know, and there's so much about probably Marissa Tomei's finest work and really Joe Pesci in his top five, I would say. So uh, great film. But he's right. Remember, they show the old lady. She tries. She's not trying to lie, but she can't see that well. And so her witness testimony was not that good because she was too far away. If you're supposed to witness possible ballot fraud and you're too far away, guess what? It's not going to work. Not going to work. So now there's more from Giuliani. Play it. That have come forward are uh, extraordinary, extraordinary number of people, extraordinary number of witnesses. And what emerged very quickly is is it's not a singular voter fraud in one state. This pattern repeats itself in a number of states, almost exactly the same pattern, which um, to any experienced investigator, prosecutor, would suggest that there was a, a plan from a centralized place to execute these various acts of voter fraud, specifically focused on big cities, and specifically focused on, as you would imagine, big cities controlled by Democrats, and particularly focused on big cities that have a long history of corruption. The number of voter fraud cases in Philadelphia could fill a library. Just a few weeks ago, there was a conviction for voter fraud, and one, two weeks before that. And I've often said, I guess sarcastically, but it's true. Right, right. Okay, so we, we, we heard this part of it. So I, I just want to say, let's understand that he is alleging a, a widespread conspiracy. He is. That's what, that's what Rudy Giuliani is saying happened here. The last time that people laughed at him and said he didn't know what he was talking about was around Hunter Biden. Who, who got the last laugh there? Who was telling the truth and who wasn't? He is saying there is a there was a conspiracy in multiple states where there are certainly a lot of statistical anomalies and very fishy, very strange things happening. He's saying that stuff went on there that can only be explained by intentional fraud and a widespread conspiracy. Now, these are big allegations. I get I get it. Affidavits are evidence. My concern is this, and you know, you know, my my promise to you, I tell you the truth. I know right now it's good for ratings and for a lot of people on the right. It's just go all in and promise people any moment now, any moment now, the smoking gun will emerge. This is going to be trench warfare in these courts. It's going to be little bits here and there. And there's not endless time here. There are deadlines that must be met, right? The state certification, the electoral college, and then inauguration. Those are going to happen. There's no delaying those things. Uh, the Constitution does not allow for a delay of those things. 
So or I should say a delay of inauguration and the passing of of power or the continuation of the current administration. So what they're going to have to do, and this is where I have concerns, is convince a number of judges that the fraud is clear enough and egregious enough that they're going to toss out large numbers of ballots. Now, the law may say that that is what should be done, and the preponderance of evidence may be with the Giuliani team here for the Trump campaign. What I'm telling you, my concern is, I do not see judges in states like Pennsylvania and Georgia and Michigan, I do not see them being willing to do that under almost any circumstance. Now, I understand that's not what people want to hear right now, I'm also the guy who told you the bar probe was not I'm sorry, the Durham probe was not going to arrest anybody and it was going to probably be a big nothing burger. And I was right. Those of you who've been with me for years know I'm also the guy who told you that Benghazi once once Obama won reelection, Benghazi was just, uh, you know, Trey Gowdy's auditioning for a Fox News contributorship. And with all those hearings, that's all that that's all that that was going to turn into. Nobody was going to jail. Nobody's you know, nothing was really happening. No accountability. So unfortunately, I'm, I'm feeling here like we're going to present all this evidence or the Trump team is going to present all this evidence. It'll be there. You have all these people that are swearing under penalty of perjury. You have all these numbers that don't make sense. One hundred thousand votes just for Biden in Georgia. And then at the end of the day. When all said and done, the judge will just say not convinced. Don't you think that judge wants to be. Patted on the back at the country club. Don't you think that judge wants to, you know, be congratulated by parents when they go to pick up their kids at school about how they did the right thing for the Constitution by not letting Trump steal the election? It's like the John Roberts phenomenon. Why do you think John Roberts sells out his constitutional principles on a regular basis? Because he wants to be that guy that kind of keeps it all going and is not a big fighter and he wants to protect the institution. Just cave a little bit to the libs. Just cave a little bit. There's a lot of sweet stuff that comes your way if you sell out your own side. And that's for conservative judges. You think an activist liberal judge is not in a million years, right? You, you think somebody who's a leftist on the court, you think a Sotomayor on the appeals court or at a, at a federal court in Pennsylvania or Michigan, somebody of her mindset is going to say, yeah, let's throw out all these votes. This is my this is my concern, friends. This is the challenge that I'm not sure they can get beyond. We will see. I'm keeping the faith. 